welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I will be your host for this evening. Now they say at the there is at some point during a creative outlet's lifestyle it might face um certain um questions that it has to question itself about whether it can bring on something that might compromise its artistic integrity. Now I was expecting to possibly get into the second or the third year of the, of the um, podcast before we had to even ask those questions to ourselves. But um, unfortunately, um, tonight, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, someone came knocking on my door and they said they had a, a fabulous game. And I was like, fantastic, okay. Um, what, do you, what, is it, um, what is it about? Well, it's, uh, it's about um, facing off against each other brilliant and it's got a companion app that you have to use during the game fantastic i said what's it called blind wizard brawl um so joining me tonight um is we've got nick hello we've got we've got Alyssa. hello and we've got the brady himself hi <laughs> who's busy drawing away who's promised me he's not going to sound distracted I'm not, I'm not distracted, too. He says he's promising me he's not distracted, but we shall see. We shall see. So, first of all, thank you for coming along. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's obviously um, <clears throat> it's decidedly average to have you on the show tonight. I'm only kidding. I mean, oh, it's, well, you, um, know, you say that, but you know, a wizard's never late, <laughs> never early. You just arrive precisely when you need to. This, so, this, uh, how this, this entire show is going to go. You know, um, I have the obviously the, the ability to edit all of this, but let's just go through the motions like so I have to. <laughs> <laughs> let's just go through the motions like I have to. Um, for those who have, for those who haven't joined us before, thank you for coming along. Um, I suggest you potentially listen to another non-wizard episode if you want to find out more about the show. But you know, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> the reason that we do this is because we wholeheartedly believe that there's quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. I am now to the point where I am deciphering ancient scrolls to see if there's any other board game podcasts out there, and I still haven't found any at all. And the other reason that we're doing this is because um, these are Scottish people on the podcast tonight, and we don't usually get lots and lots of Scottish people on the podcast, except for maybe Justin and Sarah and Kevin Young and, uh, and good old Mark from Wreck and Rune fame. So, uh, good evening. I hope you are all well. Um, do you want to start off um, just by, tell? I mean, tell me a little bit about how the three of you kind of got to know each other, you know, if you, you know, what kind of games you've been playing together, kind of stuff like that, just to find out a little bit more about your history. Yeah, sounds good. Um, no, it's a good thing you mentioned with Scottish because we actually um, all met, well, most of us met through um, university. All right. So we all went to Abertay up in Dundee, okay. and uh, we most of us met through third year when we had to do a, a module working together <clears throat> for a client, and uh, we worked pretty well during that, and we decided, well, if we can do this, why not carry on? So most of us from that team went forward. We brought on Alyssa after that project because uh, Brady praised her very highly. Um, Alright, cool. They find me in a dumpster outside and decide to keep me. It is. great, you know. Gaming hub of Scotland. Um, lots of stuff coming out of D. And like I said, we all went to Abertay up there and the stuff that we learned and working together up there has all come together now and is actually going quite well. So, What was it What was it, What was was it? it you studied? So, um, I studied game design oh, no, and production yeah. management. Okay. So um, I did all the the design and back end stuff, and uh, Alyssa and Brady are both artists. Ah, okay. So we are have you programmers with us who aren't here? Yeah, we have a couple of the members of our teams who both did. Um, one of them did the computer games applications course, and the other one did computer game technology. So we have okay. quite a widespread of the games courses from Abertay in this team. That's good. We don't so sound guys. Which yes, is but... why we're, we're not called Death Wizards. <laughs> Let's just keep drawing, Brady. Um... <laughs> just just, just colouring. 
<laughs> just keep moving on. Are no you doing... idea how literal that is as well. I'm just colouring in <laughs> blocks of colour right now. Is it digital stuff you're doing or is it... Do you all work on a digital f- format then? Um, yeah, pretty much. Right. right now we're doing uh, the wizards for the app, the, the portraits. We've got a promo one that we're just about to unlock as a stretch <laughs> goal for the Kickstarter, so... We're wanting to get that finished up and as nice as possible so when the stretch goal unlocks, we can just release it immediately. It's the French wizard. Okay. Yeah, I'm just really trying to get excited about this. There are wizards all around the world. You have to accept uh, this who we are. um, The Scottish wizard's already been unlocked. Don't don't worry about that. You'll like him because he he has a sword. Well, that's what you want then. I mean, wizard... (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to be a wizard... Of a sword. Nah, you might as well, because then you can obviously pretend that you're something more worthwhile, like a warrior, instead, and just take your hat off and say you're actually a worthwhile member of society. Instead, oh, he doesn't of the... have a hat. He's he's funny. He's funny. <laughs> as all good Scotsmen are. This is fantastic. So, what kind of games did you guys play together then? I mean, what kind of um, what kind of stuff were you kind of bored? Was that you know? D and D role playing stuff. What kind of what kind we of things? Never, we never really got a chance to actually play that many games together in uni. Uh-huh. We were all um, what's the word? Mega busy. <laughs> okay. We it, it's, it's, we we all lived in different places. Me and Alyssa are the only people that lived in Dundee. Mm. And uh, Pete did at the time, but... Pete's one of our programmers, or was he now develops our website. Yeah. Right, okay. But, um, well, at the time, we we didn't, most of us didn't know that each other that well, and we were just getting on with the work. And uh-huh. we had one of the other artists in the team vanished without a word. <laughs> the sound designer just, like, we had problems with the team that we were all picking up slack on. We were really busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over the summer after that, we got in, is when we decided to try and start putting things together. A lot of our time spent playing games was actually play testing. We yeah, didn't right. actually get to play that many just games on our own. Me and Alyssa still do, because we were, we both live quite close to each other, so we get games nights and stuff. It's usually board games. Because at my play? flat, we like that sort of stuff. Okay. Um, what, what kind yeah, of stuff I'm not particularly playing? familiar with board games, so he's been introducing me to many of them. All right. Okay. Okay. What kind of what kind of stuff are you playing then? It depends who's round. We've got we've got some people that always bring their own games around. Like Colin likes bringing around uh, the big kind of games, Twilight Imperium and Relic mm-hmm. and stuff, the big right. heavy ones. When we've not got that, we've got we've got kind of lighter ones because we like trying to like bait people into playing games. Tell them, oh, it's not as scary as it looks. <laughs> we've got like uh, Machikoro in that here. I, I, nice. I like Machikoro. It's such a something about it. it's just kind of so pleasant. It's just nice to play. Yeah, um, a lot of times when we get together, it's to work. But I know a couple of times when when I drove up and we were waiting for people to turn up, we'd just sit and play Love Letters, Lord of the Rings Love Letters. Oh yeah, you love. You can't be a good Love Letters, can you? It's just it's really accessible. I think it's one of the. It's one of the games you can put in front of everybody and you can have them playing it within about five minutes. Absolutely. Um, just everyone <clears throat> enjoys it. It's like the most inoffensive game ever because it's simple and short and I don't, yeah, just everyone likes it. So has your entire focus been on, on getting the game kind of together, kind of getting the game kind of organised as well and getting it into kind of like a, a playable state? I mean, what... Where did the idea come? Where did you kind of sit down and say, right, guys, let's put together, let's put together kind of like an interactive kind of card, you know, a card game? This is uh, actually one of my favourite things about this campaign is that the idea actually came from uh, Brady because he was doing it as part of his honours project at university. All right. So um, it was actually originally a proof of concept. There was looking into hybridisation. Mm-hmm. For like you know integrating apps and technology into board games, I personally feel it's the route it's kind of destined to go down anyway. Mm. Just because it opens a lot of doors, it opens a lot of new things that it doesn't have. 
but it bothered me because I feel that a lot of existing games, a lot of hybrid games that have come out in the past 10 years have missed the mark entirely because it tends to have been like technology people who thought, oh, this is cool, let's do this. And it, it wasn't not cool, but they weren't board gamers, so they kind of misunderstood what tabletop gamers really liked about it, you know, the tactile feelings, being able to roll dice. They, they digitized a lot of things that shouldn't have been digitized. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it set a bad precedent. Board gamers, tabletop, pe- people who like tabletop games looked at it and thought, oh, that looks terrible. It's got mm-hmm. none of the things we like, and it's set a kind of bad taste and a bad precedent. So I wanted to go and do research on, you know, what specifically are the things that can make this good, what things should be left alone, what things should be taken advantage of. Blind Wizard Brawl was, uh, as Nick said, it was a proof of concept, because I didn't want to try and sit and explain this to people. I wanted to be able to have something quick to show my lecturers, to show people I was talking to, something mm-hmm. like this, not like this full giant computer table version of D&D you might have seen that takes all the dice and all the actions and all the improv out of it more yeah. just something that uses a bit of both and uh, I, I I don't even really know what happened after that I think <laughs> you showed it I, to me <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I got one of the programmers in the team to make the app for me because the paper prototyping was a nightmare there was so much like maths and rant like shuffling up giant piles of things that weren't used in the game it's horrible it wasn't fun so i said can you just make me a quick simple app just so i can demonstrate the idea i mean it kind of defeats the point of showing a hybrid game without the technology and uh well we were we were sort of just play testing through it and it it came together and we i I think we just kind of liked it it was never the point i'm i'm my main project for the course was a totally different, much bigger and more complicated thing, and this is the one that sort of felt better, felt closer at home. Yeah. So do you, I mean, do you use or have you used kind of other ma- apps available in the market? Because you've got, you've got your straight up app apps, <clears throat> which is like you can get, I can go to my phone just now and I can start playing, say like Settlers of Catan, yeah, because I can get that on my phone. Um, I'd probably play something else, but um, but I can do that, yeah. Or I can play Ticket to Ride, or, or you know, um, or Splendors come out. So there's a lot of kind of like app-based games. And then on the second side of that, you're getting into the more interactive stuff. So <clears throat> there's a companion app for like say Descent, and apparently the list, the um, Fantasy Flight are also doing a companion app for um, for also for Imperial Assault as well. And what you can do with that is you don't have to have somebody playing as a dungeon master. The system itself will take care of the of the dungeon master side of things for you. So if you want to have two players both playing as the heroes against a kind of an automated dungeon master, you can kind of do that as well. Um, and then you've got the third option, which is your kind of your full space simulator. I think what you meant by you know like your tabletopias of this world, which Mm. Seems to be, it's interesting because that seems to become a popular favourite on Kickstarter. Is that um, <clears throat> certainly um, was I was speaking to when I was speaking to um, Callan Sargent, who's running the the Runica campaign. Um, he's just releasing his version of his game on um, on Tabletopia, so people can actually go on and have a have a muck around with that, which is kind of which is kind of interesting. But you've gone down the route, it's like, well, to play the game, you need the app. You can't you can't play it by itself without the app, no? Yeah, well, that's the yeah. whole point, is like, it's still, at its core, it's still a tabletop game. You still need that interaction. You still need all the same sort of decision-making that you could have with a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Whereas other things like <clears throat> the settled stuff which have been digitised, that's no longer a tabletop game. It's a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the sort of big ones, like, I think the only other sort of digital app I use for any sort of tabletop stuff is I have, for 5th Ed D&D, I have a digital character sheet. And that has a built-in dice roller and calculator and all that stuff, which I rarely ever use. I, I still is, that use roll, is that roll 20? 
I have Roll20 installed, um, but I have another app which is on my iPad somewhere else, which is got, right. it's, it's like a full character sheet and everything um, uh-huh. as well. And I think that's great for 5th Ed because it's way more roleplay heavy as opposed to like 4th Ed, we need sheets and sheets and sheets of paper for abilities and spells and stuff. Yeah. And if you put all of that on a device, people spend way too much time looking at their phone and then you lose that sort of social aspect that comes with tabletop. So that's a big that's a big bugbear, I think, for um It's it's huge and it's why a lot of people hear sort of the hybrid thing and go, No, I don't want to touch my phone. We but, were on a just to interrupt a wee bit, we were on a big discussion on one of the Facebook board game groups the other day and someone yes. I was going to say, it keeps coming up. This is like a discussion we have pretty often. It's like the yeah. drawbacks and the benefits of this hybridization and how to do well, it well. Well, someone posted saying, what do you think about games that use apps? And so many people were responding, oh, put the phone away. You shouldn't be looking at your phone the whole time. You should be looking at each other and things. And I'm like, but if the app's done right, you shouldn't need to be looking at your phone the whole time. And that that's kind of what I was uh, what I was saying. I was worried that a bad precedent had been set. I think people are mistaking apps for a, a hybrid game with just using social media. If it's integrated well into the game, you shouldn't just be sitting looking at your phone the whole game. You should still be looking at the board, looking at the people, mm-hmm. looking at the center of the table. The app's there to help you. It's not there to be in front of your face. And if it is. Well, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing I was rallying against in my dissertation. Yeah, I think yeah. someone described our app as just another card, which I think is is a really good way of describing what we're aiming for. Because you're going to have your cards in front of you, but it's not going to stop you from speaking to someone else. So with us, you can have the app in front of you, but it's not going to stop you from looking at someone across the table and trying to see you know what they're doing, what what their plans are. It's like, oh, do I need to focus on them, them, and them, as opposed to just being like. They're doing stuff. I'm on my phone now, which is absolutely what we were. We did not want if that ever happened. Like, this needs to change. We've tried to focus it so that if you're spending too much time looking at the app, and I don't really see why you would be from the layout we've made, but if you're spending too much time looking at the app, you're probably losing out on the game because there's bluffing elements and uh, sort of working out based on people's responses and reactions. If you're sitting looking at the app, you're missing out on clues on what other people are doing. You're mm-hmm. worsening the game. You're, you're, you're better off paying attention to everyone else. That, that was always a key goal. It's actually it's kind of my, my problem with like these um, the games that try and incorporate AR as well. Because, I mean, fair enough, AR technology can be fantastically amazing. Um, but when you have games that let you play cards or whatever, and then you have like a little AR character on your screen. It adds a sort of depth to it, but it's also making you look at your screen the whole time. And mm. it's like, that's... It's cool if they could get it to work right, if they could get that balance between you know video game and tabletop game, where that interaction's still there, but then you have all these digital elements. And I think until that point's hit, there are too many games that are going to try and bridge that gap and get it wrong. I came up against that a lot during my research and I think the AR right now is kind of still expensive and still awkward enough that it has to be the focus of these type of games and it takes over the gameplay. A lot of these come out and they looked really cool and then you looked at it and you're like, there's not actually really any gameplay going on here, you don't need any of this. And it's why we've tried to keep this all so simple. Um, it It was a part it was a key part of the research, what I was, um, like, of the, of the restrictions. We had to set ourselves a brief um, for the project. Mm-hmm. And it was an important part for me that I made sure it wasn't just, like, a tabletop game and there was some app there you didn't need. I didn't really consider that hybrid. Like, it's good that companion apps exist, but it wasn't what I was looking at. And I didn't, similarly, I didn't want something that was just play the game fully digital. I wanted something that no. actually felt like a, a combination that required both and took advantage of both and showed that it, it could be possible, it could be fun and interesting and didn't require you just turning it into uh, a screen-watching exercise. Yeah, I think digital games still play a good um, a good role in actually getting people to buy the physical versions, though. 
Oh, you know, I, mean, I, I, I think... wasn't saying anything against that at all. Yeah. I, that just wasn't the focus of my research. Is yeah, no, is all it was. Yeah, I think yeah. It, I mean, I, is what, I mean, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's made my decision with regards to you know. Um, I know I joke about you know Catan, um, but I played that on my phone for a while and kind of kind of went. Mm, I'm not a hundred percent sure about this, so it kind of stopped me from going ahead and kind of thinking about getting a copy because I wasn't taken taken with it kind of straight away. Um, whereas something like say Carcassonne on the mobile, you kind of you get the feeling of how the game plays kind of straight away, and I've kind of went, well, this is actually. Yeah, I've spent next to nothing on an app. Uh, let me go out and spend. I'm quite happy to put it on a wish list or something, or hope somebody gets me, or go and spend some kind of money on it itself. So I think there's there's kind of like um, swings and swings and roundabouts to both. But no, I see see how you're coming from. I've seen. Um, I think there's I, a I, lot of people out there that like the fact that a board game, unlike a video game, which Video games seem to have completely got rid of couch co-op. In fact, it's very difficult. Even games that you would think would be couch co-op, which is why, you know, going off on a tangent here, like, which is why the Nintendo Switch, for instance, is doing really, really well, mm-hmm. because there's a whole pile of mini-games where I can sit there and pretend, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a gun against somebody else, but I'm drawing a gun against somebody else in exactly the same room. And people have said one of the uniquenesses of the Switch is that it's actually allowing you to play with people in the same room. And, you know, um, things like... I mean, it's like when you've got a game like, say, Mario Kart, <laughs> which is one of the few games that you can still play... Sit in the still, you can have a four-player game yeah. kind of sitting side-by-side side and you can still play it. Um, I can, you know, I can... I guess I can see why people are kind of like, well... Board games, the whole reason people like board games is in order for me to be able to play with somebody, I've pretty much got to sit down and be on a social level with them. And I think the stigma with mobile phones is as soon as you see it all the time, I mean, pretty much you could walk down the high street, you know, wearing a couple of balloons and nobody would notice you because most of them, they've got their heads kind of ducked down and kind of looking at their phones. But I mean, that's a... You know, obviously that's a tangent. I don't want you thinking about me walking down a high street <laughs> Too late. with a couple of, <laughs> couple of red balloons. Um, I think you've hit the nail on the head, though. I mean, you're absolutely right about the, the Switch and, and Couch Co-op. I mean, Couch Co-op has become its own sort of genre now with uh, with games coming out. And people go, oh, call that a Couch Co-op game. Call it a party game, you know, Jackbox, which comes out under the ruse of being a sort of tabletop game in its whole aesthetic design. Mm, yeah. Um, and it's, it's absolutely the thing of Switch gets people in the room, uh, Nintendo really, you know, with with the Wii and stuff, getting people in the room. Couch Co-op is all about getting people in the room. But if people are in there and focusing on a multiplayer game, looking at their screen, even if they are in the same room, it doesn't have that that tactile feeling, like you said. You know, with uh, like I said, with the Switch, if you pretend to, to draw a gun, you actually have to do the movement. It's all the motion control, and it does a really good job of getting people involved. And I don't think that. Games which try and force that on a mobile, even if it's a, a, a tabletop mobile game that's been a port onto mobile, I don't think that'll ever have the same feeling. Like, so it might, it mm. might be a good gateway into actually getting the board game, but I think a lot of people yeah. are afraid that it's going to go the other way. That, you know, I enjoy playing. I don't know. There's, I... Still, there's still something about ripping cellophane off a, off a, off a cardboard. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's... Alyssa, you've, you said you've just started playing kind of games or you're getting introduced to games. Do you, I mean, have you seen, do you see the attraction in people sitting around a table and sticking bits of cardboard down and stuff like that? Is that, can you see the I attraction? I absolutely do. I think it's very refreshing compared to video games to have that social interaction. But I do think it's something that we have got with our game. Like, I've never felt like the phones are distracting at all, or that people spend too much time looking at their phones and ours. Mm-hmm. The centre of attention really is the other players and the game in the centre of the table. Like, the app really is basically your character sheet. But I feel like the digitalness of it is just to get the two um, selling points of our game down, which is the privacy kind of aspect where you're not allowed to look at everyone else's stuff and the randomization. I think both of those things are much harder to get in a, uh, <laughs> a game that you could like hold. You need the digital aspect of that. Like, yeah, randomization for a character sheet wouldn't work if it wasn't an app, I don't think, to this level. Yeah. Yeah, as, as much as we could like get some decks of cards and shuffle them up to get abilities and that you're 
you've got a huge big pile of cards you need to carry around with you and none of them get used during the game. No. Uh, whereas you carry your phone in your pocket anyway. It, we it, do like it, the little it, like phone-sized deck of cards we've got. I think having the random stack of cards would just bulk it up yeah. too much, more than necessary. Yes. Okay. A lot of people seem to be quite happy with the idea that it's a pocket game. It fits in your pocket next to your phone anyway. If we added in all this other stuff, it would become a, you know, a, a lightweight box game. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be a pocket game anymore. It wouldn't be a pub game anymore. It would be just a game that Which you need to leave in the house. Absolutely helps with the social interaction. We've had people who've played the game and said, you know, it's great. You put it in our pocket. We can take it on a holiday. You know, take it to the pub. And it's one of these things that. I think it was Sarah that said that actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. They 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 took it on to Tenerife or something to play on the beach. It was uh, Sarah (laughs) from uh, One Free Elephant. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, her son bought our game at a convention a while back, and we uh, met them at a convention uh, a few months back in Edinburgh. And she was saying, "Yeah, we're going on holiday tomorrow, and we're taking the game with us because it just fits in the bag. It doesn't take up any space." And it's like, that's great. You get that tabletop in your pocket. Sarah's the best. She's helped us so Sarah much. Sarah is... Sarah is a... Sarah just... Huh? She's so smart and she's, she's so switched she's on. and her so and, much good advice. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And her and Nigel have just run the kind of the tightest campaigns with both um, Awesome and also um, with Carcosa. I mean, they both, you know, funded... Carcosa went on to do about triplets... Mm-hmm. I think triple its targets, so they've kind of done. They've kind of done really, really well. Yeah, Orson yeah. just seemed to like fly through as smooth as anything, didn't it? She's, I mean, testament to the both of them as a team. I mean, they're one of these. I think they were. I think they went in with this is definitely happening one way or another. When she was on the show, she was like uh, Sarah was saying, "This is definitely happening, regardless of whether or not we fund. We have got everything pretty ready to go." You know, when we make some money on Kickstarter, and I think that was why our target was, you know, so ri- ridiculously low. Yeah, for the game, yeah. Is that yeah, she knew she was going straight to manufacturing? So she, she I mean, she, the, the level of organisation that she had got to was, you know, she, and then it was testament the game arrived like kind of four or five weeks early. She was like send, <laughs> sending out copies and people were delighted. because and, and you look at it and they're saying, well, I've seen games which are kind of less supposedly you know meant to be bigger games than that with less pieces and have, have arrived kind of a lot later and you had she had like the little mine carts in there she had the little dog in there she oh, had yeah. all the different components you know um all even all the the punch board stuff it must have taken a lot of organization so she did you know yeah and as i say carcosa went on to do really really well and that's probably looking it's going to be the same way that they're just going to it's just going to be like there, and it's you know it's going to arrive kind of very, very, very quickly. Um, <clears throat> as much as it pains me, <laughs> we obviously we have to talk about the the elephant in the room um, that is known as um, as Blind Wizard Brawl. So for people that um, are sitting here and going, listen, Richard, stop giving these lovely people grief. They've given you. <laughs> They've given you, you know, insightful and informative discussion so far, and you're just avoiding talking about their Kickstarter. Do you want to give us a rundown on the kind of the game, how you play it, and the kind of the part that the kind of the app plays as well? Yeah. So, um, first off, Blind Wizard Brawl is a micro deck builder, which is a term that people hear and go, "Micro deck builder? What?" Um, the idea is you have a set of cards which represent the magic of the land because the land is full of magic and mystery and it's rife for uh, all the greatest wizards in the land to come and use. So players have to take that magic and build a deck of spells. And in building this deck of spells, they make this, themselves stronger and this is where the app comes in. So you have three stats, which is Wave, Blaze and Growth, which all represent the, the three types of magic in the land. And these are tracked in the app. So when you chant a card, which is how you make yourself stronger, you put these stats up. And okay. um, when you attack people or when you gain health, that's also tracked in the app. So you don't have to worry about keeping pen and paper health, worrying about did I take damage from that person or stuff. That's done. All the, yeah, okay. all the bookkeeping's there in the app. Um, the app also generates a random ability for players. And these players, okay. these abilities change up the game in some pretty big ways 
So we're currently in the process of redoing those abilities, um, trying to balance them, trying to make sure they're all nice, because a few of them were pretty early on, pretty game-breaking, and that's quite a big task for us to balance them and make sure that they work and they don't break the game too much. Hmm. Too uh, much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> You'll break the game a little bit. Ability's got to be special. Um, and yeah, so... so- like, like I said, the micro deck builders, most deck builds have hundreds of cards. Our game has 36. And it's actually only has three, but 12 copies of each of those three. So 36 in total. With different pictures. That's pretty small. No one cares about it. <laughs> <laughs> it we, we've had to make a bit of a point of mentioning it on the Kickstarter to uh, sell it as a bit of a feature, but there's different art on the pictures that you can line up and it's just a purely aesthetic thing, but I think it's done a lot to make it look nicer. A lot of people don't notice it, but I've also noticed that no one has ever said, despite the fact there's only three cards and they'll have a hand of eight cards and it'll be the same cards all in it, no one's ever said this looks repetitive or boring or I'm just looking at the same cards over. And I think that's worked nicely. It's been a thing that people don't notice, but it's also avoided what I think would have been a problem if people just getting bored looking at the cards. But for the sake of the Kickstarter, I think we needed to point out a wee bit, just to be like, like, don't worry, you're not going to get sick of the game. Because you know, the cards are, you've got the main flavour text on the cards, or the information on the, the cards themselves, but the background of the cards, the top, I guess there's at the top third, you've got kind of like the different, I guess the growth and the wave and stuff like that, but you can lay them together like a panoramic, almost kind of like photograph, depending on how you line them up. Yeah, you can just like line them all up next to each other. We include like we transitional cards from one uh, like element to the other. That's not part of the game, but it's just um, a transitional art piece. So you can just line them up forever in any way, and it'll always make just a wee picture and it's not really for any reason other than just knowing you can I'm one of those kind of people if I see like cards in you know Magic the Gathering or something the lands look like they fit together but don't quite that annoys me yeah. I wish that they did <laughs> <laughs> do you know I mean what you do when you get see somebody with um, a Magic deck and you don't like um, the picture on it um, it's actually the... it's within the rules to take that card out of the double or triple sleeve that it's in and take a biro and change it to whatever you want to. Um, magic players actually like you doing that. They appreciate people that think outside the box mm-hmm. um, when it comes to playing Magic the Gathering. Magic um, players are just they're so understanding about gameplay and, and all that stuff, so it's, it's really I... nice to do it. I think you... I realise the problem here. We're talking about another magic game and it's romantic. <laughs> <laughs> I just know I've still got this ongoing feud with um with um Brian Wade, um who who um who made me do an entire episode of We're Not Wizards called We're Definitely Wizards, where I had <laughs> to pretend to be a wizard. Um recently um one of his friends the wonderful Jeremy Greer decided to buy the domain name We're Definitely Wizards and point it to our website address. Hilarious. Um, I'm going to that right now. But, you know, yeah, it does. It actually goes directly to our website. So thank you very much. Um, but, you know, for as for Brian, I've only played three games of Magic, Brian. That's only hilarious. three. And it's still not good. <laughs> so there you go. So that's what I've got to say to Brian about that. But, yeah, that's the truth. So I'm getting, you know, obviously attacked on all sides. But, okay, how does a round play? I've got, you know, I am sitting there, there's my phone, there's my, there's a pile of cards in the middle. How do I go about playing playing the game? So after you've used your app to generate, you know, your wizard, which will generate uh, a random ability, a random image, and a random name, you can mm-hmm. do one of three things on your turn. I'll take one of two things. You can uh, cast magic, and then you draw a card from your deck. When you cast magic, you can do one of three spells. Now, all these spells are said on the card... There are three spells you can do, uh, and there's no more complication to it than that. Uh, mm-hmm. The three spells are chant, and chanting is sort of the, the main bulk of the game. It's how you make yourself stronger. And this lets you draw a card from the three stacks in the middle of the three elements uh, and play it immediately. When you draw a card, you gain one to that stat. So this is how you make yourself stronger. So if you draw a blaze card, you gain one to that blaze. If you draw a wave, if you draw a growth, you gain one to those. 
Mm-hmm. Now, each of these three spells do something unique. So, Blaze is the sort of chip damage card, the, the immediate damage. When you play it on top of gaining one to your stat, you deal damage to another player. With Wave, you make yourself stronger, so you gain health. Um, and the reason we don't say heal, the reason we say make yourself stronger is because um, you start off at 17 health. There's no cap on that. If you want to keep on chanting waves and keep on chanting waves and do nothing but bulk that up and min-max your waves, your health can skyrocket above 17. But your other stats will be weaker, so that's a bit of strategy. Um, yeah. And uh, growth is all about building your hand size. So you can also make these stronger. So base damage with blaze is one. When you play it, you deal one damage to someone else. Yeah. If you have more blaze cards in your hand, you can actually channel those to make it stronger. So let's say I have four blaze cards in my hand, and I play one from the stack to deal one damage. I can mm-hmm. put those four blaze cards down as well to take that one damage plus four to five. So I can immediately do five damage to someone. And that's the same with uh, Wave, except I gain that much health. Mm-hmm. And Growth is the one that's a bit different, because when you chant Growth, nothing happens apart from you gain stat. But every time, for every card you channel on top of it, you get to immediately draw one card of your deck. So if I channeled three card, three Growth cards from my hands, I get to immediately draw three cards from my deck. All right. Okay. So that means on top of the extra card I draw at the end of my turn, I'm drawing way more cards than anyone else. And the it's reason... all about fixing. Yeah. And the reason that's important is because the other, another spell you can do is cast, which is your sort of direct attack. And this is why you want to get your stats up, because you're attacking with your stats against other people's stats. Right, okay. So I can take my blaze card. I've got a blaze in my hand. I can yes. put that back into a stack in the middle and say I'm going to cast uh-huh. against... Let's say I was playing against Brady. I could cast against Brady. Yes. I would then look at my blaze stat, which I've been making stronger throughout the game, and say, let's say it's 20. So I'd announce to him, okay, my blaze stat's 20 against the stat that he's blocking with, which is wave, because it's strong against fire, water against fire. Um, he's shooting fire at me, so I make a, a, a water wall and hide behind it. All right, okay. Because, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't fight fire with fire. As much as the proverb goes, it just kind of makes it horror. <laughs> yeah, it just makes the whole world burn. But yeah, the, the reason uh, I want to have my yeah. hand size big though is because if I if I attack him for twenty with my blaze, and I have five other blaze cards in my hand, I can show him that I've got these five other blaze cards, and that adds plus five to that stat just for that attack, not to, not permanently. So I'm then mm-hmm. attacking him with twenty five against whatever his wave set is, as opposed to twenty. So that's yeah. why you want your hand size to be big, because the more cards of the same type you have, for any reason, it will make that spell stronger. Which is, you know, important. You want to be the last wizard standing. You want to be as strong as you can. The final spell you can do is a Mind Blast, which is you put... If you have one of each type of spell in your hand, you put them down, so one Growth, one Blaze, one Wave, and you Mm. just deal five to someone. Five damage. Just straight up five damage. Boom. Which is quite strong. It's nearly a third of of the total health at the beginning of the game. But it's quite hard to get three of those cards, and if you do, you have to play it quite strategically and decide... Mm-hmm. Okay, who am I going to deal this five damage to? That's what the fixing's good for. Sort out your deck, sort out your hand, and shoot the right people. And so then, how long does a game? How long does a game take? Obviously, the first game, whenever you're learning a game, it takes longer. But once you know the game, if you're playing think, with about three or four players, it won't take any more than half an hour. I'd say less than that generally. The the instructions like that sound quite complicated at first, but it's hard to just um, play the game and, oh, we'll pick it up as we go. There's only three things you can do. But yeah. from the word go, you can do all three, three of those mm-hmm. things. So you kind of need to front load a bit of information. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And the first game usually takes a wee bit for people to just remember everything. Yeah. But I think most, if not everyone, by the end of the first game has said they understand what's going on. I get it now, I get what I'm doing, cool, let's try again, now that I don't need anything explained, and they kill you, they win. Yeah, I mean, Cause... when you know what you're doing, a turn can take seconds, you know. I know what I'm doing, I'm going to chant this, chant that card, buff it, done, you know. Yeah, the game's less broken up into rounds between players and more phases in the whole game. Three people playing, you can all take your turn in seconds if you know what you're doing. It's more broken up into the deck-building phase at the beginning, where people are chanting and just building up some health, building up some stats, shooting people a bit, making some enemies, 
and then when the decks run out in the middle or they start to thin out, uh, it sort of forces people to go, right, I I need to start doing things now. I need to shoot people. I need to get rid of people before they choose to do it to me. And then there's that second phase, which is the fireballs being flung around at everyone and someone might survive, usually the person that's not pissed anyone off. <laughs> usually. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, really, at the end of it, if, if we sit down and play, a game will take 15 minutes, maybe? I think two-player games are done in under five minutes if both people know what they're doing. You can rattle through two or three-player games if if everyone knows what they're playing, you can get through it really, really quickly. Just because you'll kind of go in, you'll look at the stats, you'll look at the ability and go, right, I know what I'm going to do. And you can make your decisions really quickly. We've tried to keep everything compact and simple. There's no big... I really like deck builders, but a problem I have with like DC deck builders is by the end of the game, you're waiting forever because someone's got a massive hand and they're vomiting all this stuff down and they're looking yeah. at things and deciding. Yeah. And three people will do that and it'll finally get round to you and you'll have no idea what's going on anymore. Yeah. And it's just not the case with us. We've tried to keep it as compact as possible. You pick up cards, you do a thing, you shoot someone, you draw. And then within a minute, it's back to you again. You, it, it keeps a good pace. Yeah, the uh, short really duration definitely to... makes it feel more energetic. But also it's really easy to um, set up again after a round. Like, you can easily play it multiple times in a row because it takes so little time to reset it back up. Yeah, that's a killer for um, for um, card games is having to go through everything Separate and pick everything, everything. apart. Um, I like a place I've started recently enjoying kind of Star Realms. Um, oh, Star Realms is gorgeous. We, we've got that in the... The living room. We've got Duncan went out and got all the expansions as soon as we picked it up. He loved it. We've been looking at the Kickstarter they've got going right now and really wondering: Can we afford to skip food for a couple of days? To get this? <laughs> I think it's um, it is one, but I mean, throughout its simplicity. I mean, once you've played a game or two, or even once you played your your kind of your first game, you do have to kind of go through the decks and get out all the cards and kind of re kind of reset it. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with any kind of there's there's any kind of deck building game. You're always in that situation where once you get to the end, you have to do a bit of a kind of a um, a kind of a searching about. It sounds to me that the kind of market that you guys are looking for is you're kind of looking for people that wouldn't necessarily go ahead and set up something like Dominion, but would be the kind of guys that would be that really love your kind of your love letters and your your simpler versions of this game, but you know, have played a little bit of Dice Masters. They've played a little bit. You know, they've they have played a couple of bits of you know Magic, but nothing too serious. They've kind of skirted around the kind of what, the kind of the edges. What we've realised is that um, for like like you say, it's quite, it is aimed quite at like casual players or mm-hmm. people just wanting a filler game or like a pub game or something. But what we've realised is that if you're that kind of person that filler or casual games appeal to, but you want to play a deck builder, it it's crossing a bit of a boundary. There isn't really many options in terms of like casual or filler deck builders. And this, I think this fits that niche quite comfortably. You know, you can play this as a deck builder, a tiny wee compact deck builder in the pub, or you can play it as a 10, 20 minute filler between other games. And it's, it's it's a way to get into what's generally a big clunky genre of games, and it's just a nice small compact version. That it may just be me being biased. I don't feel it. It removes any of the core elements of a deck builder. You're building up a deck. You're using your deck to win. If you've screwed up your deck and your ability choices, you won't win. And that's mm-hmm. generally how deck builders should work. Yeah, no, I think the issue that you've got with some deck, but I mean, and this is Star Realms, I mean, Colin, um, the co-host, um, he, me and him play online Star Realms kind of all the time, but once you know the cards, you need to have expansions, because mm. once everybody knows what, because everybody will have a strategy. I mean, Star just, Realms. You'll go Star through Realms, that yeah. all the time. Yeah, Star Realms is quite simple. It's like if I want to build up my health, I'll go for blue cards. If I want to whittle down, 
If I want to whittle down their ability to draw cards, I'll go for the yellow guys. If I want to scrap as many cards in my deck to make it as lean as possible, I'll use the red guys. If I want to, you know, do a mixture of kind of like attack, um, then I'll usually go for my um, for my green blob fighters. But you, and and you get people that will work. You kind of work together combinations, but you'll get to the point where. It'll be the same. It'll be very, very close. Yeah, and then the good thing about the app for Blind Wizard Brawl as well, because you could you could play the same every time, but your stats are randomised at the beginning. So you go, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to turtle up. I'm going to do nothing but gain health. But you Mm -hmm. might start with a really low wave stat, in which case you could gain health. But then by the time you get your wave stat to any decent level, everyone else has got higher stats other places. Or you might have an ability which means actually I'm not going to bother turtling up. I'm going to just absolutely go for it. You know, we had a an ability in our pool, which was... Um, I think we, we were going to take it out in the rebalance, but when you die, you deal five damage to everyone else. And whenever I got that, I was always, okay, I'm not going to bother try turtling up. I'm going to change my strategy and just try and deal damage. So if I'm taking damage, that's fine, because when I die, I'm going to try and take them with me. And my place I would change entirely based on that ability. I, th- I think it worked. It, it doesn't stop anyone playing a strategy they want to do, but with unexpected, like the combinations of stats and abilities that you get, it being random and unpredictable, it encourages trying out different things. You might have a strategy in mind, but then, you know, as Nick says, you might look at it and go, oh, here actually, this might be, this is a nice setup to just go wild and do something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it encourages trying other things every game because between the stat mix-ups uh, and the ability, they're not always going to be complementary in the same way. You're not always going to get like a really spiky high stat with an aggressive ability. So it might encourage you to try and just see what else is out there. Um, I the, the thing I've been most pleased about with the whole game is if there's a dominant strategy yet, no one seems to have found it. There's, There hasn't been a case where someone's just realised this works and have done it and reliably won. Yeah. We, we've got such a wide mixture of different uh, like uh, playstyles or strategies just winning every game, even with the same people playing three or four times in a row. There seems to be just a nice mix, um, despite the fact you know how few cards there are because it all comes down to just you deciding to do things and you looking at the other people and going, "Nah, this is going to work." Which you, yeah, you don't know if it's going to work because you also don't know what they have. You just kind of <laughs> think, right? How how would they play if they had this? Yeah, and they might not have this. Will they have this? I don't know. Well, the addition of secret <laughs> abilities and things really ruins that as well. Yeah, there's I mean, abilities that don't occur until like someone dies or like something that happens passive that you don't even hear about. I can like thwart plans without even knowing about it. Yeah, you need you need to rely a lot on hoping that none of the terrible things happened, or hoping that if they do, you catch the tell. Yeah, the, you know the poker tell, looking at them, going, "Oh no, they just did something that 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 didn't work." <laughs> but it, it's, it, what plays into the whole thing of being blind is you just you only know what you have, so yeah. you, you have to just go with intuition and what you feel is right or you really really have to pay attention to other people information is gradually revealed uh like nick says when you attack you need to announce that and everyone else can just choose to remember and work out what your stats are from there the information is drip fed throughout the game but it's it's a process of you trying to take all of that and work out where it's going you start off with absolutely nothing and just guesswork and I think that's what keeps it kind of quite fresh because you never start the game knowing what you'll do and knowing what others will do and knowing what will or won't work. Mm-hmm. So how far are you in development? Because, I mean, there's there's a couple of things that are um, becoming kind of clear from the conversation is it sounds like you guys, you're doing, you know, yourself, um, you know, Alyssa is getting involved in the art side of things, so that sounds like that's getting taken care of kind of in house. Um the rest of are obviously doing the kind of the the kind of the programming, getting the game kind of ready. Um I mean you've got a you've got a a rather low 
kind of, I guess, kind of target. Well, that's just because um, we actually really, mechanically, we're done. You know, the, the rules yeah. of the game are down. We have a first edition, which has been out for a while, which we've been selling. Um, what the Kickstarter is going to do is basically add the polish that we didn't have the resources to do before. Okay. So all the art's getting redone. It's, it's being made to look nicer and prettier. All animations art, as well? All the, yeah, there's going to be animations in the app. We're redoing, okay. we're entirely redoing the app. Um, the yeah, function is some... going to stay pretty much the same. It's getting some nicer non-required features like privacy screens so you can put your phone down without people sort of just looking at the numbers or abilities. Okay. But functionally, yeah, functionally everything's going to be the same. And really the big thing that uh, we're hoping to get from uh, the the Kickstarter is bulk printing. So we're looking to get this thing in local retailers, um, or any retailers really, but we're mostly chatting to local retailers right now and have stock to sell from a website or if we go to cons or whatever which is what we really haven't had the money to do and um, since we're, you know, we're straight out of uni we don't have tens of thousands of pounds to spend developing and, and printing stuff yeah it, it's pretty much what the funding goals for it's us saying the game's done uh we can't afford to get go to a manufacturer and get a thousand copies done we can't do it but we're taking the time and the funding and the the interest we're we're the interest we're getting uh, to say it is worth polishing it is worth adding all these new features and making everything better adding animations making just everything feel more professional and finished because people seem interested if the Kickstarter totally flopped and failed we'd know well you know people didn't like it it wasn't worth doing all of that. But, the, but you're, I mean, you're doing. I mean, you're doing. You're doing well. I mean, you're you're sixty six percent above your unit, your target at the moment. You know, it looks like you're well on your way to kind of being funded, and you've still got kind of like the magical nineteen days to kind of come on. Yeah. Um. So you've got plenty. You know, plenty of time. You're only. Um. I mean. To get involved, it looks like you. Um. Fifteen pounds, it looks like, is reasonable. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's, we've had people so, from America saying, you know, we can get this game and have it delivered for under fifteen dollars. You know, it's it's our first game. We didn't want to try and create a massive big thing that was fifty quid to buy and that we'd need ten thousand pounds to make and stuff. It's a small goal um, mm-hmm. because we have, I think, we, enough of an audience, enough of reach that we can get it. We, we understand that as a new developer uh, in our first game, there's going to be a bit of uh, skepticism. People looking at us going, can these can these people actually pull this off? I feel that with the page we've got showing everything we do, the low goals, the low prices, uh, we're hoping it inspires a bit more trust. People going, you know, it looks finished, it looks ready, it's cheap, they're not asking for much, it all looks reasonable rather than big, enormous things. Um, and we're really confident we can hold up on that because, like we said, the game's functionally finished. Once the Kickstarter's over, once it's successful, all we need to do is just finish polishing off the app, uh, send everything away for printing. We don't need to spend a year developing the game. We just need to get it in people's hands. Yeah, I mean, as guys that are kind of new to the Kickstarter, what do you think of the... The kind of have you were you is it a bit overwhelming to see the kind of level of presentation that people are putting out there on the campaigns even before they're asking for the money? Oh, that's I was terrified. I would say yes and no because we're in a sort of weird position where we actually had a module at university all about crowdfunding, so we yeah. we knew like what we were getting into, but even oh, so. Well, going and yeah. seeing people who have a budget for marketing and a budget for their videos and their pages like we worked in our Kickstarter on a budget of nothing so yeah we we've done everything in house yeah trying uh, to I think Al- Alyssa was working for what four days or something on that video just yeah because it, whenever we talk to people about it, other developers are on like uh, advice groups and stuff everyone's response is going hire a designer hire an artist hire a producer hire uh, videographer, you know, hire all these people, uh, PR people coming up and saying, oh, you know, it's only £400. 
Mate, that's a quarter of the whole goal. We're looking. We don't have this money. We, we need a photographer, to just... but even she was very kind not to charge us. Yeah, yeah. We, we we've called we, in we... favors from people about advice and everything. <laughs> it's on a, been... on a budget of zero is, is, I think, what makes it really scary to do. But really, that's what Kickstarter's about, isn't it? You know. I, yeah. I I like to think though that people have looked at the page and pe- people will probably understand. It's a wee bit rough around the edges, but I think I really hope anyway that people are looking at it and seeing that we've really put in the effort. You know, we've not just thrown something together and said give us money. I I like to think we've made the page quite nice for our first one, for our budget, for the amount of things we're learning as we go, and it's hopefully saying to people we are taking this seriously. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, you know, the fact that everything is ready, that the you're not asking, you're not doing what you see a lot of people to say as well. I need thirty thousand or fifty thousand. You know, I've seen this. I've seen targets of thirty and fifty thousand pounds for like a for a card game, and I'm just sitting there going, "What are you handing out? Spend it on handing out free kind of back massages?" People Um, will, will add. Sort of the price, say, okay, I've got a small team. These t- this team needs to get paid. They need to to live, which is, it's fair enough. But I mean, if we're a small it's, team, it's... we can't ask for that much because we can't say, oh yeah, we want this to be our livelihoods. Like this is our first game. We just need to get it out there. Yeah, mm. you, you sort of have to accept that the Kickstarter is not for paying for something like this anyway. It's not for paying all of our wages. It's for making it happen. It's for, yeah, it's for making the game go. No, I mean I noticed that you, um, as an aside, I noticed you commented on the post that I made on the board game spotlight recently about does a poorly made Kickstarter campaign page automatically make you think the game will be poorly made, kind of thing. And uh, I think you had a dialogue with with Bez about it, but um, someone else has been giving us a lot of great advice. <laughs> Ah, oh, she's amazing. Bez, Bez, is, Bez is, you know, Bez, Bez is back. She's coming back on, and it's going to be absolute carnage because it just <laughs> this is this is just how these things happen. Um, yeah. The Webo sites uh, getting up and getting ready now. She was showing me it the other week, <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's, I, I can just imagine what that's going to look like in a year or two. It's just going to start getting massive yeah, be, with all these game lists. Fantastic. Yeah, she's no, on, she no. knows the stuff. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's why I can't, you know, it's just like, she says, oh, do you think I can come back on again? It's like, yes, open invitation, <laughs> you know, just any time at all, which is which is fine. So, um, yeah, so £15 is the good kind of entry level. That'll get you not only in the door, um, but it'll also get your you get the you're in the app credits, you get the you get the game, you get to name a wizard. Yep. Oh my goodness, that's tempted. So uh the way all of our wizards are named is they're made from like a prefix, a proper noun, and a suffix. So all right. and each of those three parts are randomized. So when you name a wizard it you'll let you'll basically get to name a wizard that you want in, so you want I don't know. Happy Brady the Smiley, for example, that will be put into our database, and then each of those three parts can appear in a name any time you hit transform. Because it's not, you don't require online. I've noticed the app doesn't require you to be online all the time. You download the app, and then it does all the randomization and the calculation kind of there and then, which I kind of like because I don't like apps saying, oh, can I get permission to be online all the time? Exactly. Okay. I mean, if you're playing and you suddenly lose connection, you have to stop the game. Or yeah, if you're, yeah. play and you're in the middle of an exactly. it's like... Exactly. There's certainly no need for it in something like this. Like, I mean, we, we keep talking about how simple and uh, unobtrusive the app is to have it online as well. We just defeat the point of all that. We want it to be able to just be, you can just set it down. It generates the stats and the abilities for you. We thought since we, we've already got the app there, it would be good just to let it generate some mm. artwork and uh, a name to make it feel more like a character sheet, make it feel more unique. Every time you generate it, it'll feel like a whole new wizard with a whole new name and a whole new identity that you can jump into, hopefully. And uh, there's th- thousands and thousands of, like because it's the three names split up, 
the combinations are as, as good as endless. You, you don't really get the same one twice. Yeah. And people being able to add in their own as well, we're hoping will make things a bit more fun and exciting and hopefully more personal to some people. No, I mean, um, you know, if you... Um, yeah, I mean, if you could excuse me just for a second. This looks actually really good! I can't believe it! Wizards. I mean, is that what's no, hearing that? Uh, then I can edit that nonsense out. Um, <laughs> so, um, oh, that's that's the response that a lot of people have been saying. Which for our first game is just it. It means the world to us, you know. The fact that, that a lot of people have seen it and gone, that's actually really good, is because obviously, I mean, we we played it, we think it's good, but to get someone else saying it is just. It really makes the whole thing worth it for me, anyway. What about you, Alyssa? Do you think it's good? Of course. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. Of course, Brady, you designed it, so you think it's fantastic. I think it's. Um, good. Where can we find you on the internet? So um, we're on. Oh, here's a good opportunity. Yeah, I was just about to mention that. <laughs> um, so part of our thing, the the places we really want people to go around now is our Facebook, which is Wrench Games. Um, the official page for Blind Wizard Brawl, which is just Blind Wizard Brawl, and to get us on Twitter, which is at underscore Wrench Games. And if you like us, um, within the next three weeks, we're running weekly competitions where every week we'll pick one random follower from each of those three platforms, uh, and that follower will get to put a wizard name in the game as a prize. Stacking on top of... Yeah, uh, no matter what they've backed, they'll still get that extra name if you like us on social medias. So, we're so doing what that. you're what you're saying here is, I actually, I when I called you by Pixel Brady at the beginning, that was actually wrong. It should have been Wrench Games, like all the emails you've been sending me that I had <laughs> Wrench Games on them. Yeah, that's that's my own personal just, uh, pages mm. and everything. I've got through that. See, I'm just this just shows and exemplifies that you, when you get wizards involved in anything at all, it just ends up mistakes get made. I'm just saying. Some people um, say complicated. I like to say fun. <laughs> Unpredictable. <laughs> I take it you're all on the social. You can find Range Games all over the social medias, as you said. Yeah. Um, I've got a website as well. This RangeGames.co.uk. There you go. And of course, what we'll do is we'll make sure. Um, well, I might remember to put all the show notes there. I might. I might not. I might forget. I, mean, I don't be, know. It'd be nice if you could. I mean, I'll, I'm not going to tell you what I'll, to do. I'm just... I'll see. <laughs> it could work out as well. We've got social stretch goals for all of the three oh, social well, there you go. I'll, well. defi- I'll definitely forget to do it then. So, and, uh, just, just we're, unlocking, we're unlocking new stuff. Like oh, right, uh, okay. the Scotland wizard that got unlocked last week and uh, the French wizard is yeah. just about to get unlocked. Uh, oh. We're quite close to that one as well. That's what I've been sitting drawing this whole time. I'm done. I'll Are send you finished it now? Yeah, you have, send, you have to send me a. Uh, you have to send me what it looks like. Um, yeah, I was gonna. I was, I'll, I'll send you just a wee so you can see why yeah. I've been so quiet this entire time. <laughs> been that quiet, but no. I mean, all joking aside about the wizard stuff, which I'm secretly not joking about at all. Um, I mean, it looks. It sounds interesting. The concept seems like a lot of fun. The funding seems well within your reach. Um, and it looks uh, it looks kind of decent, and and this has been a very very interesting conversation with the with the three of you. Um, it's been fun. It has. It's been a lot of fun. Um, just as a quick aside, if people want to keep an eye on what we're up to, um, you can go to our website, which is wearedefinitelywizards.com. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Um, but if you search on, we're on Twitter. We're Not Wizards, we're on Facebook, we're not wizards, we're on YouTube. If you search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast, you'll find us because we automatically post all of our episodes to YouTube automatically because of our lovely podcast hosts, Podbean. We're on places like Instagram, we're on Spreaker, we're on Stitcher, we're on Acast, we're on Podknife, we're on... It's iTunes, but they actually call themselves Apple Podcasts because the last couple of times I called them iTunes and they sent me a nice little email to remind me I should be calling them by the right name, which is fine, I guess. Um, if you like what you've heard tonight, please drop a subscription because for some reason that 
puts us amongst the stars along with the rest of the podcast out there. If you've adored us tonight, then feel free to leave us a review. And as we say, um, don't leave us a 10, because that'll make us big-headed. But don't leave us a 1, because that'll make us feel like a wizard. Leave us some, <laughs> leave us somewhere in the middle. That's right, wizards like, are number one. Like a, like a five, which is average, because we are decidedly average. average. <laughs> decidedly <laughs> average. But um, the people that have not been average tonight are the fantastic Elisa, the amazing Nick, and the slightly below average Brady. <laughs> Um, That's the one. He's been driving this game forward and just spreading his wizardry everywhere. I just cannot believe it. Um, but no, seriously, thank you very, very much for for coming on. Um, no, it's been it's been it's been educational and informative, and I'm dreading doing this next bit because there is only two more things to do. The first right. thing, the first thing, is to remember. That we are many things, but we're not wizards. We're all wizards. We are we definitely wizards? We're all wizards. Careful, <laughs> Right. Okay. And um, the second thing is uh, is to say goodbye. So it's uh, it's a goodbye from the three disappointments. Say goodbye, disappointments. Goodbye, disappointments. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I'm not a disappointment. Um, I was waiting. <laughs> okay, bye, Nick. <laughs> bye. Say goodbye. Say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Nick. Say goodbye, Elisa. Bye-bye. And say goodbye, Brady, you fabulous man. Goodbye, Brady, you fabulous <laughs> man. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, right? Give them a tenner, because that's what they're worth. <laughs> And least. have a look at the campaign, right? But didn't he, did he, did he encourage them? We don't need we don't need their likes round here, okay? Let them get them backed, have a look at the campaign, and then never deal with them again. And just hopefully they'll learn their lesson. Wizards will always be around. Don't Nick, I can just cut you out of the whole conversation. <laughs> but but until, but until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>